Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with bare premium plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And you may not be able to tell by my disguise, but it's me, Ben. Uh, we are joined today with our super producer, Tyler Klang, uh, and which makes this our show. You really do need to take off that Halloween costume. It's been a while, you know. Yeah, I'm you know, I'm taking method acting and applying it to Halloween. So this is this is it now, Scott. This you, is the situation. You know what? I was just thinking about this on the way in today, and this is kinda crazy. This is for the first year in many years that we kind of just forgot to do a Halloween episode. You know, something kind of spooky, something a little fun, car-related, of course, or train-related or whatever. Oh, wow. We didn't do any kind of, like, uh, like spooky podcast or anything like that. Not that they're, you know, terrifying or anything, but mm-hmm. it always usually has a little bit of a an angle to it, right? Yeah, a little bit of Twilight Zone-ish, true crime-esque uh, tilt or tent to yeah, it. Yeah, sometimes we, we talk about urban legends. We mm-hmm. talk about uh, – we talked about the um, – oh, what was the name of that, that train that carried the dead in uh, – um, in London. Yeah. Uh, I can't oh, yeah. remember. That was just last year, I think it was. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we've talked about um, sunken cars, all kinds of mm-hmm. things like that, you know, dis- cars that have disappeared. Do we ever do the thing about uh, corpse transportation services? No, we haven't. Oh, well, there's an idea yeah. for uh, t- 2018. Yeah. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I guess so. We'll have to put it on hold for another year. Hey, you know what? One other quick thing before we, uh, we roll into today's mm-hmm. topic. On the way into work, uh, this was, boy, it had to have been about two or three weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. And I meant to say this at the time because we were recording soon after and I just forgot. It's been put on a note at my desk and just left behind. But I, I saw something really unusual here in town, in Atlanta, in Atlanta, right near where we work. It's, it had to have been two or three blocks away from where we work. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting at a stoplight. And I, I only got to see this for a total of about seven or eight seconds. That's maximum. So I'll describe to, it to you the best I can. It was a Chrysler 300. Pretty new. Looked like it was new anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was two-tone. It was dark brown and beige. And had, I don't even I don't even remember if it had tinted windows or anything like that. Now, two-tone, that's a little bit unusual to begin with, right? That's a custom paint sure. job. Sure, yeah, custom. All right, well, the most unusual part about this, this vehicle was not the two-tone paint. 
it was the trim and the chrome work and the wheels. And so you might ask what uh, what was so unusual. What was so unusual, Scott? Oh, thank you, Ben, for asking. <laughs> I, I thought you'd never get around to it. The um, trim, all of it, the chrome, every single bit of chrome was covered in crystals, as in, like, um, they look like diamonds. And they were well-placed. It wasn't like, you know, like one here, one there. I mean, it was like a custom, almost like, like it had been wrapped with crystals or something. It was, it was so perfect. Like, yeah. a, like a jeweler had done it, but I know that's not the case. I feel like we've talked about this. I don't remember if it was on air or off air, though. It was off air because okay. it was probably the day I saw it. And I yeah. said, I've got to mention this car. But I mean, I'm talking about the window surrounds, the side trim, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, um, I guess the belt line that goes across All the middle crystal. of the car. All of it was crystal. The entire, um, um, grill. Yeah. The wheels, I, I think, I want to say the wheels were covered in it, too. I'm pretty sure. And you're sure that's not just factory? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone, someone checked that box on Chrysler's order form, and, uh, yeah, I think it's a $300 option. Oh, it's only 300 That's pretty reasonable. <laughs> well, clearly, I mean, clearly they're not anything valuable. It's just something that, you know, someone has done. But it, the way that it was done was relatively professional, and I was thinking... This is not the way to blend in in traffic. Just based on the description, it feels as if it would look kind of tacky. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you hit the nail on the head with that one. It was, uh, right. it was, it was pretty tacky, yeah, it was. Well, it, did it remind you of an art car? Um, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't so overdone that it was like that. You know, like it wasn't every panel was covered with mm-hmm. it. It was the trim. And sure, it's gaudy. Sure, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of obnoxious, obnoxious, you know, it's a little bit, uh, it's showy. Of course, it was a sunny day when I saw it. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, little glints coming off of the, uh, mm-hmm. the crystals, but, um, I, I, it didn't feel like, um, didn't feel like it was something that, um, was for everybody, I guess, maybe. It's a, it's definitely <laughs> definitely a one-of-a-kind here in this area. And I've tried looking it up online, you know, see if I can do a keyword search, Atlanta, or, you know, this this car. So far, nothing's popped up, but I bet it's out there somewhere. I didn't even get a chance to see if it had uh, Georgia plates on it. It might be from another state, so I don't know. Wow. Yeah, That's, unusual. Uh, you know, this reminds me, just recently, we, we talked about this before we were recording, or I think briefly. Um, just recently, I returned from New York where I got stranded for a little while. And uh, New York is a fantastic town to be stranded in for, for a little while, as long as you have uh, some cool coworkers who will put up with your weird schedule. Thank you, Scott, by the way. <laughs> That's all right. But I saw so many cool cars because I was right in Manhattan, and it's so expensive to own a car there, yeah. right? That yeah. most most people uh, who most most people who are driving what I would consider a normal daily driver live somewhere else, and they there's a really high chance that that's their work car for you know Lyft or for Uber or something like that. Mm-hmm. But oh man, the the variety of limousines alone oh. was mind-boggling. <laughs> you know, I, that's what I was thinking, is that it's probably a landscape that's dominated by taxis, right? Yeah. And so, so you see a lot of yellow cabs around, mm-hmm. checker cabs, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the companies are. Uh, but but it's, it's pretty unusual to see, like, just amazing cars in downtown Manhattan, I would think, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seems like uh, it's it's mostly jammed up with uh, with daily commuters. But who who would really want to uh, have, you know, a Ferrari that feels like it's just penned up, you know, down in right. downtown Manhattan? Now, I did see uh, – I- did see some diamonds in the rough. I saw some. I saw like some classic, yeah, classic cars. Yeah, and the best one I saw was a Rolls Royce. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, and new get old, this, new or old. 
uh, old, dude. And get oh. this, mm. parked on the side of the street. Oh, no kidding. In between a Honda Civic <laughs> and a van. Yeah. I can't remember the van. I think it might have been a yeah. Uh, might have been a Dodge Caravan. An old Rolls Royce. That's uh, that's yeah. kind of those are fun to see. In good shape too. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I was going up and looking, like peeking through the windows, of course. And uh, my girlfriend politely reminded me that. Uh, just ca- because a car's parked doesn't mean it's part of a car show. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> good advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's full of witticisms, but um, but I I have to I have to wonder when people drive in Manhattan and listeners, ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors. I know uh, that if you have ever driven in Manhattan, I'm sh- I'm sure you remember this the experience with uh. Something approaching PTSD because it is, you know, it's insane just the density of people. And one of the weirdest things is the, the, the extent that the city makers will go to and private companies will go to to create parking spaces in the strangest bolt holes you can imagine. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, because they're so valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're so valuable and because, like you said, Scott, if somebody has a Ferrari, uh, they shouldn't be parking it on the side of the street. And listen, dude, whomever owns that Rolls Royce, it's it's too nice. It's too nice for the curb, man. You got to <laughs> – if you're obviously able to pay for the upkeep and the detailing, you, you got to put that thing in a garage. Yeah, well, hopefully it gets out of Manhattan occasionally, you know, onto the open road. Yeah, hopefully. Or maybe you could camouflage it. <laughs> yeah, but okay, here's the thing about camouflage, right? And as we uh, kind of jump into today's topic with camouflage and, you know, blending in, um, I don't think that Rolls Royce would blend in even if it was camouflaged. No, and, there's no way. And the kind of camouflage that they would likely put on it, you know, because of you know normal wraps or whatever that, you know, people are doing now with wraps with their cars. Um, it, it would uh, it would it would likely just stand out even more. It would make it you know draw more attention. So um, there's a there's a game that auto manufacturers play with this camouflage, and and we're going to talk about that today. We've got uh, a few examples. We've got uh, some uh, some answers to questions, I guess. You know, why do they do it, and uh, and what's the point? I mean, they're not really. Uh, that's one thing that I want to get out right up here at the, at the front of the head, the podcast, I guess. Maybe now that we're what 15 minutes into it or something. Sure. <laughs> with her other stuff, but. It's it's not really to blend into the environment, and that's what camouflage is typically about. I mean, we we learn, you know, as humans, right. learn this from the animal world, mm-hmm. really. I mean, that's where it comes from. If you want to go back, and man didn't invent, invent camouflage. Uh, it comes from the animal kingdom, and and of course, you know, we've all seen examples of this. You know, in the way that certain fish are colored, you know, There's on the top cer- or bottom, or yeah. yeah, the way they blend in. Certain insects are shaped. Uh, are, Certain insects or amphibians will resemble leaves or sticks. Yeah, the stick, like, yeah, the stick uh, creatures or whatever you call yeah. them, walking sticks. Yeah, stick I like creatures. stick creatures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stick creatures. So, uh, yeah, walking sticks and, uh, you know, uh, butterflies that look like leaves, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, of course, gazelle and, you know, all the other animals that, that blend into their environment. That's where we get this idea. And it didn't really um, – well, you know what? I shouldn't say it didn't really catch on. It started around World War One. And uh, and I'll try to remember this exactly. I, I've got a few notes here, but this is the craziest thing. If you look back, and I promise we'll get to the cars in just a minute, but we're kind of building up to that, sure, right? Sure, sure. So 
I read about World War One ships, you know, like uh, like um, um, Navy ships, right? Mm-hmm. And I started looking at them, and I thought, well, the, the, you know, this this can't be right. They're using this really bizarre looking camouflage, and it's called dazzle camouflage. Have you ever seen dazzle camouflage? I bet you have, and you don't know what it's called. It's the it's the one that has um, the geometric forms all over the ships. I mean, they're they're the craziest looking ships you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. They, they they in no way blend in with the ocean or the uh, or the sky or anything like that. They're not the uh, the gray ones that you would think of. Uh, these are like black and white with you know very contrasting colors, but bizarre patterns on them. Yeah, like uh, okay, I think I know what you're talking about. Almost a zebra, like a almost as if somebody threw a bunch of zebras in a blender and then threw that on a ship. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean all different patterns and and the idea behind it was so that uh, if a if an enemy submarine were to, you know, pop the periscope up and take a look at the ship, it would be confused which direction the ship was headed. Uh, it's it's it throws it off. So if you look at a ship, you can't tell where the where the bow is, where the front end of the ship is when when you're, uh, you know, especially at night. Maybe you know if you get a little bit confusing when you're out on the sea, it's dark at any um, sort of distance, e- probably. Too. But but even during the day, during during sunlight hours, it's hard to determine where that ship is headed. So you know it gives them an improper heading, uh, you know, bear, uh, bearing, I guess, to to uh, sneak around it and attack that ship. It oftentimes. Uh, you know, it shows there. There are um, videos of this. You know, you can find uh, animations of of how this all worked. And again, this goes back to World War One. But mm-hmm. um, it throws off the submarines' uh, path so that they can't intercept that ship. Oftentimes, they'll be they'll be several degrees off. And uh, and it's it's just really an interesting idea. And they had uh, some famous artists that created these dazzle camouflage ideas for ships. And then that carried through World War Two. So you'll see some in World War Two that had. Um, uh, these, this uh, this kind of dazzle um, uh, camouflage going on. So, again, highly visible, not meant to blend in, but it sure. meant to confuse, meant to uh, distort the truth, mm-hmm. what, what's really there. They weren't seeing what they thought they were seeing. They knew it was something because yeah. uh, the object wasn't to make it invisible. The object of the... The object of the exercise was to make it confusing. Yeah, very confusing, right? So for submarines and, you know, ships and other stuff, right? So, but but... During World War II, they developed this into uh, use for airplanes, which was different. It wasn't, you know, the same type of thing for airplanes uh, and for ground vehicles. Those were meant to um, to blend in. And and where this all comes about, and I remember I said it started in the idea of camouflage kind of started in around around World War One. It could have been a little bit earlier, but right around that time. Uh, you mean um, for vehicles, right? Well, no, for not just for vehicles, but for people as well. Um, you know, I know I'm splitting off in a couple different directions sure, here, sure. but but for people. When it turned around for people was right around World War One because the accuracy of weapons that they were using. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, you know, being visible on the battlefield was not a good thing. I mean, of course, it wasn't a good thing ever to begin with. But think about like when the you know the red coats and the blue coats are fighting out on a green field, highly yeah. visible. They got the white pants on and all that, right? But they're using muskets, and that was the part. You know, they're not terribly accurate. You had to be right on top of the enemy, anyways, to fire. And lucky. And yeah, that's right. Had to be lucky as well. And you had to have some prep time. Yeah, that's right for the uh, for the reloading procedure. The more I think about it, uh, it's it's pretty surprising that people hit each other with those. <laughs> kind of is. It'd be better to throw rocks, big rocks, right? <laughs> but but seriously, when the rifles came around and accuracy became uh, much better with you know a rifle versus mm-hmm. a musket, mm-hmm. that's when it became uh, you know very um, advantageous to be you know to blend into the background, but blend into the environment, and that's when people started to camouflage them. You know, military started to camouflage. So you know, ships were. 
doing their own thing. Airplanes were doing their own thing. Ground vehicles, people, you know, it's all different. And when we get into, um, you know, the 20th century, I guess, um, I, I think the thing that kind of cut that out for, you know, the necessary or the need for that for airplanes, because you notice that airplanes aren't typically camouflaged anymore. Uh, what, what happened was radar became popular and, uh, and they just kind of, you know, just eliminated the need for it. Right. So, right. you know, you, you can paint, you know, an airplane so that it blends into the sky, but they're going to be able to see it anyway. The important part then becomes uh, being able to construct or design or engineer either through materials or through, you know, angles, the uh, a plane that can evade or somehow mitigate its appearance on radar. That's why so many bomber planes, right, uh, from the past few decades have those really sharp, uh, strange, stark angles. Mm -hmm. uh, before we move on from military camouflage, though, because I know we're still – I feel like this is going to be one of those shows where we're always getting to the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I just have to say ghillie suits are amazing. You remember those, right? No, I don't think I do. They're what the sniper – they're the sniper suits. Oh, OK. Those are the – they almost look fuzzy. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. know what they were called. I, I, I That's the first time I've ever heard that, uh, that name. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, it just – I think it dates back to uh, the Scottish Highlands or something, but it looks silly when the guys are standing out, you know, on the street. Yeah. Like, it's not what you wear to hail a cab in New York, but if you're in the right environment, look at those guys. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, you can't see them. They become part of the terrain. Yeah. It looks – it's kind of like uh, those those videos you can see of an octopus becoming part of an undersea rock. You oh, know? yeah. They change right before your eye. That's mm. that's the way it looks. It really does. So, But with, in that case, they're trying to blend into the environment. Right. In the case of the automobiles that we're going to talk about today. There we go. Again, not trying to blend into the environment. And that's what a lot of people are confused with. You know, Why do they even call it camouflage? Well, the idea behind the camouflage for cars is that there's a couple of you know, things behind it that, that we'll talk about, You know, what they're trying to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe we should do that right after the first break from our sponsor. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger 
feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. And we're back. And, Ben, we had uh, just mentioned that we were going to finally start talking about automobile camouflage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, big sigh of relief from our audience, I'm sure. Well, I feel like we should also call it uh, uh, air quote camouflage. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I guess not uh, Not really trying to blend in, of course. It's not it's – not, uh, obviously, it's not trying to do that. In fact, I would say that camouflage in this case with the test vehicles makes them stand out more, wouldn't you say? I mean, it seems yeah. like if, if automakers were to – uh, drive well. We've all seen the spy shots, right? I mean, you, you've seen those cars in traffic. They right. stick out like a sore thumb. I mean, yeah, they've got. Uh, sometimes they'll have a bunch of swirls on them, or sometimes they'll have just black matte uh, panels placed over everything. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, from yeah. the from the grill to the trunk. Yep. All the quarter panels. Uh, they're going to have manufacturer's plates on them typically. Yeah. And, you know, in uh, in Detroit, you'll see a ton of these. Uh, as you get outside of Detroit, less and less. But then, you know, there's certain areas in the world where they're going to be testing other vehicles. Like they're going to be in Death Valley in California. They're going to be um, up in northern Ontario testing for cold. They're going to be, um, let's see, I think they're down here in the south testing for humidity. Right. You know, like maybe in uh, Alligator Alley area in Florida, oh, you know, that, that area for humidity. Uh, they test in, in harsh environments. So they're not just in Detroit. I mean, Detroit is its own harsh environment in a lot of ways, <laughs> uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. But, um, uh, you know, you do see a lot of these vehicles in the last, uh, I, of course, I've been up to Michigan several times recently, mm-hmm. about uh, three or four times ago. This is back uh, late summer, early fall. Um, I was seeing on this one particular trip all over town, I was seeing Corvettes that had the front wrapped and the back end wrapped, but the middle was left open. They were convertible Corvettes, and I guess they were testing – they were they were developing new product for uh, Chevrolet, for General Motors. Sure. Um, the new Corvette – I think it was the Corvette ZL1 or ZR1. I can't remember which one it is right now. But um, they were te- they were just simply trying to mask the uh, you know the front end treatment and the back end treatment. The, for part they were, the parts they were working on. Yeah. Now, again, these things stand out like crazy. I mean, the middle part is painted like a normal Corvette would be, red or blue or yeah. you know, silver or whatever. Um, but they're all convertibles, and, and it's clear that something's going on there. All manufacturer's plates. I should have snapped a photo or two of these because they were literally – I'd see two or three of these a day. And they were different ones, you know, as I was traveling back and forth from where I had to go. And uh, I just thought it was really unusual that you see these these half-masked cars. But there's a reason behind that, too. So 
manufacturers do a lot of different things with their cars in order to hide them in plain sight. Yeah. Let's set the scene. You are a successful automaker, right? And uh, you, every year, you are always retooling cars, uh, redoing analysis on uh, previous models, right? Mm -hmm. And seeing how you can get a little bit of an edge over your competitors. Uh, this does, by the way, lead us uh, into the situation that we discovered in our earlier episode on boring cars. Again, mm. air quotes, boring cars. <laughs> uh, look, here's the thing. Here's Here's the problem. If you were an appliance maker, if you could make if – if you make coffee makers instead of Corvettes, mm -hmm. then you can experiment and test all the live long day and no one will know. You're in a closed environment. Right. You control who goes in and out of that room. And that's that's something you can do with a coffee maker. That's yeah. something you could do with a refrigerator or a, I don't know, whatever a, a gadget is like – you get the gist, right? A watch. A watch. Oh, perfect. Yeah, you could do that with a watch. Sure. But when you are – when the thing you are making is like 15 feet long, mm -hmm. etc. And has it, to be driven. And has to be driven outdoors mm -hmm. in regions uh, across the world, right? Mm -hmm. Different uh, different biomes, for lack of a better term, uh, and usually in public – and add to that, often in a place where uh, reporters know that you're going to be testing a vehicle, uh, then you have to do the best you can with the circumstances you find yourself in. Mm -hmm. That's right. So uh, why do you have to do that? Why can't you just say, uh, look at this – like, why can't you say, here's the new – Jeep Cherokee, it's not coming out until 2019, but if you want to snap some pictures, here's your time. This, uh, this, it opens the automaker up to all kinds of liability because you might undercut the sales of your existing model. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, sure. And people would say, well, why am I going to buy this? This thing. Yeah, th this, this 2018 model. Yeah, this is old beans. When they've just shown me what 2019 looks like. <laughs> old beans. I don't know oh, what new beans, beans would be. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Let's keep, let's we'll keep, keep it. Old we'll, yeah, we'll keep old beans. But, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. No, you're right. It cannibalizes the current product for the future product mm -hmm. because people get excited about what they see. But you know what? That's okay. Now that we said that, that's not always the case. Sometimes, and, and one author pointed this out here somewhere. They said, how often have you ever seen a vehicle and you instantly loved it? He said, typically, and I, I forget where this comes from, if it's Autoblog, if it's Jalopnik, where I read it, or yeah. Car and Driver or something like that. But they said, oftentimes you'll see a new design and instantly you don't like it. It's it's foreign to you. It's it's unusual. You think that it, uh, you know, they've, they've wrecked the design from the previous year. It's an all-new vehicle that you just simply don't like. Uh, but a lot of people are that way, and then they... You know, as they come become accustomed to it, as they see it on the road a little more, they they grow to like it. And there's been a lot of cars that that's happened for me. I've seen, you know, the the, uh, the launch of something, and you're not all that impressed, and you think like, why the heck did they design it like that? Why is it, you know, right? That's too too high up in the air. It's too low. It's what you know, whatever the case may be. You just don't like it initially. There's something about it, but then. You know, after a couple months of seeing, you know, them here and here and there in traffic, you decide it's not that bad. And then later on, it's like, well, maybe I'll look into buying one of those myself uh -huh. uh, as they refine it or whatever they do. So um, that's not the only angle, though. It's not just that. It's that you're also, you know, aside from, you know, that's an excellent point that you're you're cannibalizing 
current product for, for future product, possibly. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is that um, I, don't, I don't know if you, you you're not are you an artist? Have you ever drawn or, or painted anything, or do you? Uh, I mean, yeah, all you, the time. I know you write a lot. You you write a, an awful lot, right? I probably draw a little bit better than I write. Oh, no kidding! Well, then you must be uh, pretty good at drawing because I, I like your writing. Oh, that's very kind. But but <laughs> here's the thing: with anything like that, anything creative, anything that you do, yeah, typically you don't want to show that to somebody before it's finished. Right. right. Yeah, you may have a revision process of some sort. Oh, and there's huge revision processes to go on at automobile automobile make, manufacturers. Um, you know, any any automaker has a process that they go through where, you know, the first thing that they put out there that they have to test on their own test track or, you know, in mm-hmm. internal testing or whatever they want to call it. Um, that's it could be even last year's product that they're putting new technology underneath. And then they've got, you know, boxes strapped to the hood, you know, with uh with, you know, uh um, tie downs and things like that that right. you know are very unattractive and sensors and weird you know, antenna exactly yeah they've got all kinds of uh you know um engineering data boxes i don't know what to call it yeah, you know, like better black that. boxes they're yeah. they're gathering they're gathering uh engine performance data they're uh they're also evaluating how the components are functioning together probably with a closer eye on any new systems yeah. and they in some cases, are gonna just look ugly as sin because there, there are things on these cars that are never intended to be for production. No, and they call them test mules, and test mules are just beaten. I mean, they're 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 the ones that just take all kinds of abuse. I mean, they get the uh, you know the the mismatching wheels, you know, not necessarily mismatching, but the ones that don't necessarily go with that car. Right. Uh, and they're flat black typically, so mm-hmm. that you know people can't see what the new design is, or it doesn't distract from you know, whatever else is happening. But and also, it's cheaper to make it, and we'll 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 do the big reveal of why. They use some of the cheapest materials whenever they can. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. So you know, this is just one phase, though. So they're they're maybe right. putting new technology under old bodywork. That's one thing. Yeah. Maybe they have, uh, you know, a, a pilot plant that's putting together some early production vehicles that you know don't quite look right yet. They don't have everything figured out yet. The body panels aren't exactly right, or they're made of a, a cheaper material than what would be used, uh, you know, later on in production. That's another thing, you know, all the all the um the stuff that they have attached to it, all the uh you know, the junk that they have to put on there, it's just not attractive. It's not an attractive package mm-hmm. that they put together initially. Then they start to refine it along the way and they change uh you know, the fake body panels into maybe the real ones, but then they have to mask the real ones. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they're not necessarily going to be painted all shiny and looking really nice yet. It's still not to that point. They're just trying to test for things like, you know, airflow over the engine. They're trying to see, sure. t- uh, t- test for noise, you know, rattles, things like that. Check uh, the gaps in between the panels. They're trying everything. Everybody's got their hands on this car, and this is the one that they'll take out to lunch, you know, to McDonald's, the drive-thru, but it's going to be completely masked. And everybody ends up driving this thing home. They tell them, you know, put 500 miles on it this weekend. Put, you know, 300 miles on this. And that's nearly impossible to do if it isn't covered in some way so a lot of times they will um you know cover it with the uh, what you had mentioned before ben you said that it's covered with uh, panels like body concealing panels right and that's right. that's one thing you know that they do it's it's uh it's meant to fool the eye it's meant to you know be deceptive in in the way that you first observe the vehicle it might look like uh it's an suv but it's actually a pickup truck because they've built a fake set of panels over the back end that mm-hmm. makes it look like an suv but really there's a pickup bed under there which happens that happens it does or they'll take a sedan and they'll make it look like a station wagon or um you know something like that i mean it's it, they can be very very deceptive about it but again they have to be careful when they do this to not you know overheat the car by you know Enclosing the front end so much that you know you can't uh, you don't get the airflow through it. So it'll have um, areas that are not only 
uh, you know, that, that padded vinyl that, you know, comes on and off with Velcro. Right. But they'll also have uh, like a mesh area that is uh, almost like a screen that allows air, air to flow through. But the problem with, with what I just described is that that's very noisy. It's uh, it's not necessarily heavy, but it's added bulk on the vehicle. It's tough to get around. It it's just makes it difficult to deal with the vehicle. And it doesn't it's, – it's not appropriate for every testing scenario. No, no. And they will they will also have stuff like that on – and this is where a lot of people don't – maybe maybe they don't know this, but even inside – let's say that you're at uh, you know Chrysler or Ford or GM headquarters – and you're kind of in the you know the main one of the main areas there. Let's say it's a gathering area where you know guests sometimes come through. You know people that are in the building to you know for meetings or whatever it happens to be tours or something. Uh, they are very careful about disguising these vehicles even within their own headquarters. So uh, you know whether that's employees that might be a potential leak to the media. You know to to get out early shots of that you know 2020 product that's coming out. Right. Or uh, you know it could be someone that's just walking through from the competition and they happen to see something that's unusual or different or new. And they take a photograph because everybody's carrying a phone now that yeah. has a has a camera. Is a is also very very time sensitive stuff. Yeah. You know, there's a great line from a Jalopnik article that, uh, if you're okay with it, I'd like to read just uh, sure verbatim. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, this comes to us from an uh, author named Doug Demuro, and Doug has a. Uh, Doug, Doug's got a little bit of style, a little bit of panache in his writing, and he uh, he lists when he's describing one of the reasons people use camouflage or automakers use camouflage on new models. He says, if you're launching a new SUV, as Jaguar is, the last thing you want is for someone to see it two years early. Here's why. Because there has never been a car in history that people believed was handsome when they first saw it. This is a phenomenon I like to refer to as people are idiots. <laughs> then uh, that's the quote I read. I read that article. Yeah. And, uh, and that was what I was thinking of earlier when yeah. I was saying that you don't like things until, you know, after a while, you're not, yep, yep, you're not, yep. you're not uh, beaten over the head with it or anything, but, you know, it kind of grows on you a mm -hmm. little bit. And he's right. I mean, there's, it, honestly, the problem is, you know, you see this thing as a concept vehicle at the auto show or, you know, in magazines or whatever. Mm. And you get pretty excited about it because that is the early production ver not even early production. That's the concept version that isn't hasn't yet gone through all the testing and development that we talked about in some of our other podcasts. You know how yeah. they go from concept to reality and, and how many changes have to occur along the way. Yeah, because of you know the scarcity of real estate or whatever that happens to be. Uh -huh. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that you know things things are the way they are. Remember some of the buttons we even talked about that have to be moved around into uh, what seem like ridiculous places because. There's just a, uh, a you know lack of real estate inside of inside a vehicle oftentimes that you know forces that move. Right. So I, there's there's a lot of interesting things going on with you know those cars between when they first decide yeah we're going to actually build this thing and mm -hmm. when they actually launch the vehicle and that's supposed to be when you see the car for the first time ever. And you know what I think we'll uh, we'll take one more quick break from our sponsor and then we'll talk about that right as we come back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 join us march 20th live from the edge at hudson yards in new york city featuring an unforgettable performance by grammy and academy award-winning singer songwriter and composer john batiste the all-new infinity qx80 is unlike any luxury suv you've ever seen smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? We're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai. If you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. And we're back. Let's not just return to the show. Let's return to our earlier hypothetical example. Uh, you, fellow listener, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you are again an automaker, an automaker of your choice, right? Sure. And you have a vehicle coming out. And let's say, let's take uh, Doug DeMuro and Scott's earlier example and say that you have a Jaguar coming out uh, in two years or something, right? And you then have a choice. Do you want people to see the ugly, unvarnished, you know, first or second draft of your vehicle? Or do you want it presented at, you know, the International Car Show uh, where you have the the epitome of this new SUV or whatever it might be uh, on your terms with your photographers, with your press people, mm-hmm. with your, um, you know, your bells and whistles? Well, exactly. I mean, that's that's the, the perfect version of it, right? I mean, that's exactly what the manufacturer wants you to see and how they want it displayed. And that's that's the impression that they want to give out because you only get that one chance. You get that one chance for the first reveal for, for people to see it, you know, with their own eyes, right, yeah, right like there that, in the flesh. Uh, like the Eminem song. <laughs> yeah, you know. 
perfect. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. You're going to yeah, let yeah. that one slide? No, I'll, I'll let it go. I'll let it go. I'll let it go. But, um, but, but you're right. You're right. You know, the thing is, those mules that we talked about, how those are just, those cars are just punished. I mean, until practically they fall apart. And, you know, those cars are the ones they end up just destroying, you know, these test vehicles. Almost always they destroy them. Um, so, so, you know, you find that the manufacturers are, are making a really smart move by waiting, by camouflaging them, by disguising them until the point of release, you know, whatever that is. And they, and they want to carefully control that as much as they can. And they do. They, they often have, you know, a great first impression. But here's the, the, uh, the complicating factor along the way. Yeah. This is a big one. The spy photos. The spy photos, the, the spy photographers, I guess, these are the people that are like the paparazzi for, uh, for automakers, really, because they hide out in trees. They, uh, they disguise themselves like bushes. They sleep in the wild overnight. They, <laughs> or they don't sleep, but they just hang out overnight. They, they literally do this. I mean, they sleep out in, uh, you know, out in the, the shrubbery, I guess, out, outside of, you know, test facilities. They, they're all over the place. And, Sometimes they have, you know, a known spot, a known lookout point, and, and the manufacturers know where they are. They kind of expect that they're going to get, you know, the shot, you know, as they exit their, their test plant or, you know, their de- en- you know, engineering and development area or whatever it happens to be. Um, but sometimes they do catch them, you know, unawares. You know, they, they're, they see them. <laughs> I think I've seen one recently at a, like a McDonald's drive through and uh-huh. someone opened the door. You know the the passenger door, and bingo, there's your first shot of the interior of this car. Right, and that happens. I mean, it just takes a second of of lapse in someone's uh, you know consciousness that you know they're they're being watched all the time in one of these vehicles for something like that to happen, and that's big trouble for the manufacturers because their new product could then be. Um, you know, um, I, I guess even improved upon by their competitors. And that's the thing is that they look at this. It's like a playbook for what they're going to do in two years. And that could lead to a phenomenon known as leapfrogging, right? Which is when a, uh, a competitor might see step one that their rival has already taken mm-hmm. and then be able to say, oh, okay, well, now we can skip that and we can just go to step two. Yeah, we know what uh, we know what Chevy's up to over there. Let's uh, let's let's take this our own direction, and maybe we'll have a competitor in the field for 2019 or 2020 or whatever year they they want to develop this. It, it does happen. This leapfrog. I mean, it, it's it's good for the industry in a way. It is. It's bad for the industry in another way. In that you know sure. they're, they're mimicking each other a lot of times, and they can get kind of in a bubble or in this sort of feedback loop, and you can have another cup holder glut. <laughs> I mean, that's that's humorous, but that's a great example of what happened. It's true. I mean, that's how you end up with 16 cup holders in a minivan, right? (laughs) Right. It it happened. So the thing is with these these spy photographers, we see these photographs in magazines. We see them online a lot of times. You know, the 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 first spy photo of uh, you know the new Chevy Tahoe or whatever it is, right? Any any vehicle. It doesn't matter what it is: car, truck, SUV. Uh, even semis, you know, whatever. I'm sure this goes to every industry, but these photographers sometimes, you know, it's, it's actually really profitable. Sometimes, if you get a, uh, you know, a, a vehicle that is lesser seen around town, I guess, you know, something that's kind of unexpected, you know, something yeah. brand new, uh, that can pay, you know, anywhere from three hundred dollars up to ten thousand dollars per photograph because it's an exclusive, an exclusive scoop. Yeah, so that's the that's the idea. But you might think, well, big deal. I can take a photograph with my phone, you know, and, and show you, you know, here's you know what I think to be, I don't know, the latest wagon or whatever, right? Ah, uh, you but would think. You would think so. Now, there's a couple of reasons why maybe that wouldn't be as valuable to some to a magazine as would be a photographer's photograph. Now, boy, where are we going from here? Because there's there's a couple of things, a couple of angles here, Ben. Right. Okay. 
the the camouflage that you see now on cars. It's mm-hmm. not you know like uh, like desert camo. It's not um, it's not know, a the, ghillie suit. It, no, it's not a ghillie suit. It's not the um, you know the the leaf pattern that people paint on their car. You know with uh, with supplies they bought at Pep Boys or something. It's not like that. This is camouflage that is intended. It's designed from the very beginning when they're designing the the, the panels, when they're putting everything together in the in the factory in the um, uh, you know research and development area. They're going immediately to a team a team of engineers that then work on the proper camo to use on that panel uh, for, for different situations, for different daylight situations, sure. for uh, you know just the, the curve of the panel. They try what they're trying to do is they're trying to flatten the image. So when you look at one of these. And you can do this with just about any any car. I mean, you, you'll see some in magazines and online that have been enhanced, and I'll, I'll describe that in a minute. But um, the idea for the manufacturers is to flatten out all those lines. All the detail is what's really important to manufacturers. They they test that over and over again in the factory with shiny panels. Right. Uh, how it's going to look when it turns and the sunlight's you know uh, at you know high noon or whatever the time of day is. Um, they are really paying attention to you know the way the car looks as it turns different directions. What they it, call character lines, exactly from different heights, all that stuff, right? And that's all really, really important to the design of the car. And from a camoed car, what you basically get, what you essentially get, is uh, a flat image. If you if you look at it really carefully, if one that's been undoctored, and you see you see just a flat image with very little detail that you can pick out with your eye, the naked eye. But you can see things like glass. You can see, you know, the roof line of the vehicle. You can see the hood line of the vehicle. Um, you can find a general shape of the car. But those details are what's hidden in in that uh, in the camo, and that's an art. That's a that's a true art. And they work on that from day one at the manufacturers. They uh, you know they go immediately over to those guys and say, here's what we're thinking of. And uh, you know the the men and women in this department put together the camo that is best for that vehicle before they even put it out. So it's it's all very clever how they do it. And then the car photographers, the spy photographers that are on the on the street or in the trees or wherever yeah, they are, and yeah. I'll tell you about an, an interesting story in just a minute. Um, they they will take those photographs that they take out on the street or from wherever, and they'll take them back to their studio or wherever they work from, and they'll run it through you know Photoshop program. I'm sure it's more advanced than Photoshop, but sure. uh, they will add different contrast levels to the photograph, and they'll try to you know tweak it a little bit to bring out some more detail, and that is what they then provide to. Uh, you know these these auto magazines. That's your ten sites. grand photo. That's exactly right because it has more detail to it, right? So mm-hmm. they're able to manipulate the photograph in a way that you know they can then see it, and sometimes they can even erase the camouflage and then give you what looks like an early rendering. You know, this is an artist rendition of what it should look like, right? And it might be missing a few creases here and there in the panels, you know, but but and some trim, but it's essentially what the car is going to look like because they know the shape. And they'll probably be on to something, too. And so the question then becomes, well, why don't automakers just always keep these matte black things covering, especially the front end, right? Mm -hmm. The answer is, quite simply, it is not viable for testing every aspect. So a lot of the pattern stuff you see is actually a polyester, I believe, or or a vinyl. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes, uh, you're right. Polyester. They, I think they read it somewhere that, um, they don't use vinyl like you might think, like a, like a typical wrap. A lot of them don't anyways. Mm -hmm. Uh, they use a polyester wrap. So it's like a, uh, I would guess that it's a, a different, um, thickness maybe. It's, It's, yeah, it's lighter. It's, uh, the, it's a stronger material. And it also has, I think, a a better temperature tolerance. Oh, okay, something like minus forty Fahrenheit to a hundred to over one hundred and fifty eight. 
Now, this is stuff that they're not necessarily worried about peeling off of the car either because, mm-hmm. you know, this car will be scrapped in some way. So, you know, it can be uh, something that is a relatively permanent, uh, you know, p- part of this vehicle from that point on. So it doesn't matter if it's polyester, you know, versus a vinyl wrap that can, you know, peel off pretty easy. Um, but you're right. I mean, you see some that are just painted flat black or something like that. You know, maybe that uh, they're, they're the point of testing where, um, you know, they haven't quite made it to the final, the final finished uh, panel yet, or um, you know, maybe it's made out of plastic when it will be metal in the future, or sure. you know, whatever carbon fiber or something like that. You know, they don't want to start using that right away. They're going to start with a cheaper product. Yeah, I forgot to mention What's one that? one thing that is uh, custom on these. In addition to the panels, there will often be custom headlights. Oh yeah, that's which right. are which are uh, meant to mislead you. Mm-hmm. you sure. Know? Uh, because that's one of the first things that you would understandably think about when you're trying to ID a camouflaged car. You would say, okay, well, let me, let me essentially, let me see the face of the car. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, automakers know they're already hip to it and they work in secrecy. So they can't, uh, talk to their friends, their buddies or their, their neighbors, uh, or their family. Mm-hmm. about what they're actually doing, which is insane. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. And, and I I really do believe that a lot of those guys, if not all of them, really, are extremely secretive about it, even with their families. They can't tell them what they're really working on. They're they're unable to, you know, talk at the family functions about what the, the you know, the product that they're working on. They just can't do it. They can talk about current product and, you yeah. know, maybe what's just around the corner, but uh, they're not able to talk about something that's, you know, two, three years out. It's It's forbidden. And if they're caught doing that, uh, you can imagine that that's a, a situation where you would likely lose your job. Oh, of course. And probably, you know, be blackballed from any other industry job like that because you have, uh, you know, a, a penchant to talk about what you're doing. And that's what you you just simply can't do in this industry. I feel like you'd be really good at that. I don't know how uh, well or poorly I would do, <laughs> Is to that be right? honest. Really? Yeah. You just uh, you couldn't you couldn't hold it back, huh? I would either... I would either fabricate an entirely fake double life, you know, mm-hmm. and pretend I was a consultant <laughs> or go back to that thing we used to do where I just always had a series of strange side jobs. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't know if I could. If I could like, uh, you know, if I were married or something uh, that that seems like a. A hard thing to keep from your spouse. Yeah, you know? yeah, it would be. But I think that they have to. They just have to understand that you just can't do that. You're unable to do. That. I mean, I, I don't. I wouldn't have any problem with this at all. I'm, I'm an excellent. <laughs> I, I'm a great secret keeper. I don't tell anybody anything. That's true. No, I really don't. So, um, it, listeners out there, you can trust me if you want. Uh, you want to just let me in on your secrets. That's fine. Um, need someone to talk to? I guess I'm your man. I should be. I. Should, you know, people could confess to me. I'd be all right. Yeah, you'd be good at that. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm, I, I, I don't give away stuff. I don't tell anybody about secrets about like, you know, if there's going to be a surprise party, you know, sometimes people just can't hold that in. Um, no, I, I can I'm keep not... those kind of secrets. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, uh, something that you've worked on every day mm-hmm. for years that's not going to come out for five years. Mm-hmm. You know, probably, you know, probably to me, I, it's it, I, you know, I would never work there because I would I would want to impress girls. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to be that's honest it, with you. I'm sorry, everybody. That's what it comes down to. There's a reason why yeah. I cannot 
be trusted to work on a prototype Mustang or Corvette, I uh, I will try to impress girls. Uh, but isn't that element of secrecy something that also is kind of attractive? Kind of uh, kind of draws people in, you know? Oh, you think like, I could uh, like James Bond it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, when you think about it, that guy is. I know there's a sidebar. I don't want to keep us going too long, but when you think about it, that guy is like the world's worst secret agent. He <laughs> drinks like a fish. Yeah, he's always telling people his real name yeah. and. He doesn't even bother to park cars. He just sort of wrecks them when he's done. I guess you're right. You know, this guy is like a, a, a liability. He's costing them a lot of money. Well, still, I you know, I, I would uh, – he would probably be able to keep the secret of uh, the new Mustang or the well, new Jaguar. Well, you know, the good thing is that, uh, you know, the ramp-up time on these vehicles is a lot shorter than what it used to be. So, you know, instead mm-hmm. of working on product that is, uh, you know, five years out, like we had said a couple times, I think, it, it's more like two years out. Sure. And, uh, you know, so it's a lot faster for them, a uh, little less time to keep that uh, keep that under wraps. And make no mistake, automakers are very well aware of what a uh, what an advertising gold mine this stuff is. It's tantalizing. Yeah, they want you to see they want you to be tantalized by the possibility, the, the guessing, the, the investigation. Right. It becomes its own sort of ad campaign. Yeah. You know, uh, apparently there are a lot of people in Germany and in Munich who see BMWs camoed up all the time. Sure. And there's an entire uh, community of people dedicated to figuring out what they are. I would guess in Italy you see uh, the Ferraris, the Lamborghinis, sure. that type of thing. Sure. Yeah. I, I, it just depends on your region and you know what's nearby and what you find. I mean, it, but again, these testing facilities out in Arizona and up in you know the the northern part of of Ontario and then down in Florida and you know all over the place. I mean, they're they're literally all over the world. People are testing vehicles, new vehicles. Uh, you know, that might even be the uh, the Rubicon Trail for you know Jeep products. Yeah. Um, they test new new products there all the time, but again, they disguise some of the new products, and that just Again, that 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 adds to some of the um, uh, the excitement. It builds the excitement, and, and you know people start to talk about it, and then you know then they see another version that's maybe a little bit more complete and a little bit less camoed or a little mm-hmm. bit uh, you know um, less disguised, I guess. And they start to get even more hunger for this thing, and they want to see it, you know, in its real form. And then finally, when it's revealed, you know, it's a big deal. It's, it's something that you know the manufacturer again has has chosen that moment to reveal it in the way that they want to and they and they do it very effectively and yeah people get very very excited about it sometimes other times uh you know uh, something bad happens something some people say well that that looks awful uh right. that happens too and again that's going back to um what was it doug i think he said had yeah. said is that uh you know for, for jalopnik he said you know sometimes you just see things and you just don't like it initially because it's new it's different it's it's foreign to you mm-hmm. uh but it'll grow on you um so that's how they that's how they end up with the big reveal, right? Where they're like uh, factory, factory bare bones. Uh, all of these vehicles from 2018 on are going to come with crystal instead of chrome. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's would be a smart move. On something any, understated any, and subtle. <laughs> yeah, something real, real simple like that. But yeah, again, that's uh, I mean, that's the the gist of this whole thing is that you know. Um, in a way, they're controlling what they do out on the streets. I mean, they know they know that people are looking. I, I kind of often wonder, Ben, if yeah. would it be better if manufacturers were just simply to put a manufacturer's plate on some of these test vehicles and uh, and just put them out there uncamouflaged? Would less people be you know mindful of that? Would, they, would less people notice that than they do when it's camoed? 
Uh, yeah, like how how much uh, does the camo hurt or help in terms of drawing attention? Yeah, but I mean, and then you go then you go back to the you know seeing the unfinished version of it. So I guess that's a that's the other angle. That's a so, big no no. Yeah. yeah, that's a big liability. But I this is something that I didn't find, and I want to see what you think about this, and I want to see what you think too, folks. Uh, please write in at uh, carstuff at howstuffworks dot com to to let us know your opinion. Has anyone or any manufacturer tried to do sort of a fleet thing, you know, like take uh, take different varieties of cars, mm-hmm. right, and then mask them all up in sort of the same way? Yeah. So you can still tell they're like different cars. Yeah, different body cells, sedan, right. compact, sure. truck, SUV, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then have, have those drive out. You know, and with the knowledge that one of those is the actual vehicle being tested. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So, so, so you, uh, you, like a decoy. Yeah, like in a bank heist where, you know, the smart robbers run out in the crowd of hostages, mm-hmm. which probably only works in movies. <laughs> probably, yeah, you're right. But would know. it, but would it work in a, uh, in a testing situation? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, but you know, the, these spy photographers, they know their way around you know the the uh the tricks that manufacturers play on them and there's one that I wanted to mention before yeah. we, before we finish up today. Yeah, yeah. Um this comes from an article in uh, in Autoblog. And this was an interesting story. This will tell you how far they go to get that, you know, that $10,000 shot. And this uh, has to do with the uh the Ford Mustang and early development photos of the Ford Mustang. I think it was 2015, in, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um of course it was before 2015, you know, significantly before 2015 rather. And what happened? This is this is so unbelievable, and it hints at what we had talked about earlier with you know doing whatever it takes to get the shot right. Because mm-hmm. this was a, a an internal Ford testing facility. You know, this is a, a secured test track supposedly, and a photographer had been on the scene the day before for some other product, I guess, or for something right, and had at one point snuck off into the middle of the track mm-hmm. and kind of embedded himself into the the foliage there. And so there's trees, bushes, whatever, you know, guardrails. Hid out all night, overnight, in the in the bushes there. So after they did their, their check of the track and made sure everybody was gone, you know, this guy's still inside there. Sleeps overnight inside the track, you know, in the in the trees and, and brush. In the bushes, yep. yeah. And, and in the morning, knowing that they're going to bring out, you know, the, this, uh, well, I guess he knew. He must have had a tip from someone, right, that this is happening. Because why else would you sleep overnight? Right. But in the morning... When he gets up, uh, lo and behold, there's the brand new 2015 Ford Mustang that is, uh, it's it's not it's not completely disguised. It's just disguised. Sure. But there's enough of it there that you get a feel for the shape and the form of the whole thing. And you know, some they probably would have taken more precaution had it been out on a public street. That's all I'm mm-hmm. saying. And uh, he got some great photographs of it. And unfortunately, you know, they were really, really early, uh, but he was essentially able to to determine what the 2015 Mustang was going to look like long before it was put out. And, you know, of course, the guy that's in charge of that program, Mm -hmm. he is in huge trouble, has to go right into the boss's office and explain what happened, you know, how, how that happened. So I would bet from now on. You know, someone walks around that track and, you know, really, you know, beats the bushes to make sure that no one is in there <laughs> right. every night. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy that someone would go to that length, isn't it? But but that's what they do. They camp out. They they hide. They, they do whatever it takes because, you know, that one shot could be worth $10,000 to somebody. And these, these photographers are, you know, uh, dedicated to a superhuman degree. There's one other thing we have to we have to add. 
which is uh, earlier, I think we, we mentioned that there will be some odd, almost counterintuitive corner cutting on a lot of these vehicles. Yeah. And I hope we've done a decent job, I think we have, of, of showing the necessity of this testing and the intense competition between the people who want to expose a secret and the people who want to keep it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a cat and mouse game. It is. Yeah, yeah. that's the perfect phrase for yeah. it. Yeah, it's yeah. a cat and mouse game. Here's the thing, though. We haven't said what happens to these prototypes after testing is complete. Mm. So after years of testing for what will become the 2015 Mustang, what happens to all those prototypes that were almost 2015 Mustangs got crushed? All of them crushed. Yep, that's the that's the thing. I mean, I, I think I think we did mention it early on, but I I, I don't know if we we said it, you know, just like with 100 percent certainty that these cars get crushed because they don't want these cars to fall into anybody's hands because of the way they've been treated. Yeah, the, the many times that they've been revised and, and, you know, gone over and, you know, of course, they, they scrimp on in some areas that they should have, you know, taken a little bit more care. But it's just a test vehicle. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's not getting into the public hands. But it's weird that they're all destroyed, isn't it? it? It kind of is. Yeah. I mean, but I but I get it. I understand wanting that control because what if, uh, you know, someone takes that and they use that as their, uh, you know, the car to bring the kids to, you know, the soccer games or whatever right. in the future. Um, you know, there could be some safety concerns with that, and I, I get it. I mean, we've we've talked about automotive recalls before, and, and how seemingly little things can be a huge deal to a manufacturer, oh, and, yeah. and other times when some really big things, and <laughs> some manufacturers are thinking, "Ah, do we need to do anything? Is it in our best interest to do something?" And then usually they end up doing the right thing. Usually, yeah. not always. Sometimes it takes a you know an even bigger incident or occurrence to to you know force that to happen um, because it's very expensive for the manufacturer. Um, there's a, there's a, a balance that, that's at play there. But, um, yeah, I can see why they would want to crush them. But it is strange to think that every one of those Camel vehicles that you see is going to be destroyed. I mean, it's, it's it seems like a huge waste, but, you know, that those cars are the ones that lead the way for, you know, maybe a million of that car to be produced in, in the future. So uh, it's not like, you know, it's going to be worth anything really i mean these are again they're really beaten up they're they're bad news on the inside outside um they've, they've gone through an awful lot it is uh yes it it is not a metaphor you are literally seeing a car every time you see a, a car camoed up like this you're very lucky but you're also seeing a car on death row yeah and you know you might think well they can donate them to uh you know en engineering schools or shop classes you know that might want to tear them apart and put them back together the problem is Again, manufacturers can't, you know, ensure themselves that, you know, the car is not going to be put back together and then, you know, the shop teacher is going to take it home for the weekend and use it for, you know, a road trip up to, uh, you know, the ski mountain that's at the northern part of the state. Uh -huh. You know, and it's not meant to do that. It's meant just to be a learning tool. And, of course, that's probably what they have to deal with with all the cars. Because they do donate cars, but they're production cars that they donate to these these classes with specific instructions, you know, whether they can or can't be driven on, on public roads. Mm -hmm. And uh, and oftentimes they can't. Uh, that's why we see things like, you know, the you know the Dodge Vipers that have to get crushed and things like that. You know, that uh, it's heartbreaking to some, but then you realize, well, that thing's probably been taken apart and put together 30 times. Right. That's why it has to go. And how long would it have lasted if it wasn't destroyed? Well, exactly. And you don't know the quality of what's going on. The manufacturer is the one that's responsible for it because they donated the car. They can't be responsible for, you know, an accidental death that happens because of that vehicle yeah. or anything. I mean, there's – oh, man, we're opening up a new can of worms with this, aren't we? But, um, yeah. yeah. Um, but but well, the camouflage thing, I mean, getting back to that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I think it is pretty eye opening and and it just it it's just adds a I guess a little bit of clarity to it I guess if if you understand that they're not trying to blend into the environment in fact it's kind of the opposite they know it's standing out but they're just trying to fool your eye they're trying to fool the, the camera's eye you know whether it's with those patterns that uh, that cause autofocus to not work on cameras I don't think we mentioned that oh yeah that's right that's why some of those things they may look just sort of out outrageous and and gaudy to the human eye but to uh, autofocus on a camera, they're very confusing because the camera doesn't know how to adjust for the yeah. vehicle. Continually also, yeah. readjusting, re- yeah, yeah, re- yeah. refocusing. Also, uh, you know, I was surprised that there weren't any of those old uh, magic eye designs on them. Oh. You remember those things? Those like 3D <laughs> pictures? Yeah, that's okay. So those are the ones that, you know, it kind of feels like that when you look at one of these, doesn't yeah, yeah, it? Yeah, you know, yeah. the, the current camo. Um, it, it's almost like if you relax your eyes and you just kind of stare at it, you know, just for five minutes, you're gonna, you almost expect to see, you know, a dolphin or a, right, a right. or a ship or whatever it is. But what were those called? Magic eye? Magic eye, I think. Magic eye, and they sold them at malls, right? I yeah, mean, like the kiosk at the mall or something. Let me check. Uh, let's check my producer Tyler. That's right, isn't it? Magic eye. Magic yeah. eye. Yeah. Okay. I remember those. They were popular for a while. Yeah. Uh, hey. They're still popular. Oh, are they? You don't have a magic eye poster up in your house? <laughs> no, I never bought one. <laughs> I never bought one. I didn't even get one as a gift, you know, because they were really popular at, at one point. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I never had uh, a poster. I think I had a book when I was a kid that was just various magic eye things. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, you know, it loses its novelty after a while, but it's very clever. Very mm-hmm. clever stuff. It is. Uh, I want to end today's episode on a question for everyone listening. So write in and uh, let us know this this as well. And Scott, it's uh, this is going to be another segment of Scott on the Spot. Okay. Which oh, is boy. a segment I just made up now. <laughs> That's a good name for one. Yeah, Scott on the Spot. Let's yeah. get uh, make up some music for this. Perfect. Okay, awesome. Here's the question. Would you sleep rough? Would you would you spend a night in the bushes to take a, a photograph of a car? A ten thousand dollar photograph? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Ten grand. Yeah, I would. Yeah? Yes, I would. Yeah. Me but too. Thing, but the thing is, I mean, you're you're, viola- you're you're trespassing. That's one thing. I mean, you're that violating against the law. You're violating some laws. I mean, and it's ex- expressly. Uh, restricted. You're not allowed to do that on the rules of the of the test facility. The manufacturer is going to hate you forever. I mean, they're not going to allow you into their inner circle of uh, of of trusted you know photographers. Trusted that press, point yeah. forward. You know, if, yeah, you can't get in on the press conferences and all that stuff that you want to. You know, the ones that you have to sign up for and they they grant you permission to come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that you're uh, you know officially off the list at you're that point. Listed. I would think so. So then it becomes a calculation of. Ten thousand dollars, ten large, minus legal fees yeah. if they press charges. Yeah, because they might. Yeah, and then minus any future photography fees you could have acquired. Sure. With this company, at least. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot to factor into that decision. If you know, do you just jump the fence and stay overnight, or do you uh, just go home with everybody else and you know wait another three or four weeks or three or four months? And just spy it out on the road. So you would sleep overnight 
or stay up overnight, oh. take a $10,000 picture, and then just be ready to, like, burn your career down. You know, I said that too soon. Do something else? I, I said that too soon. I would, I don't think that I would now that I, now that I've thought about it for more than 30 seconds or more than 10 seconds. You'd even. have all night to think about uh, it. Well, I guess you would. Yeah. I'd try to get out of there. I think at some point I would think, uh, this isn't, this isn't for me. I, I don't want, uh, you know, whatever the legal ramifications of, of this action would be. Yeah. Um, I don't want the manufacturers mad at me. I don't want the other press mad at me. Um, they might actually give you a high five, you know, for doing that. But you would play by the book. I, I think I would play by the book. I don't think that I would uh, would camp out overnight for even for a ten thousand dollar photo. Now that I think about it, yeah, that was an you know, like a knee jerk reaction there. That I said, oh yeah, do it. It sounds. I mean, it sounds pretty adventurous too, it, because I would also. Without those considerations, I would think the same thing. It would be like $10,000. So your answer is maybe not? You wouldn't do it? Well, that's the thing, Scott. See, I am not a professional photographer. Oh, so you've got a day so if job I to fall back. did it as on. a side gig, yeah, I would totally, I would totally do it because in a way, that's what the press is supposed to do. They are inherently, uh, the press and these manufacturers in this situation are inherently antagonistic forces. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good thing, I think. Ultimately, it works out to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to break any laws, though, because uh, – dang it. I just did the same thing you did because I have my <laughs> knee-jerk reaction. But yeah. no, I think even with a different a different job or a different career, um, not to be precious about it or anything, but these these folks are working hard. For yeah. years, and it's uh, it, it seems almost to me. It seems like uh, I I would feel like I was being ethically questionable. Yeah, by yeah. violating that stuff. Oh, I but, think so. But I'm not I'm not condemning the people who do. That's just my philosophy. And we have to we do have to say that that is way that uh, situation where the guy snapped the Mustang pictures. That is by far the exception to the rule. Yeah, definitely a violation was occurring right there. I mean, that was uh, that was bad news for that photographer, I would guess. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't really know what happened in the end with the, with all this, if there was any kind of legal action taken against him or, or not. But uh, likely, likely and, there was. And being the couple of hypocrites we are in this situation, <laughs> if you happen to have a picture – yeah, well, here's the thing. You know what, though? Send it out. Yeah, but but the thing is, if if you're just uh, you know an ordinary Joe Schmo and you're you're in traffic and you see something unusual and you take a photograph and hey, what do you know? It's the first photograph to be taken of the uh, the all new Ford GT40 or whatever it is, right? Uh huh. Uh, you just happen to be there and you snap that photograph and you show it to somebody and they say that could be worth something. You know, no one's seen that yet. That's a, that's brand new product and you were just on a public roadway. You know, have at it. I mean, that's, that's fine. Different, yeah. That is different. But but likely, you know, the spy photographers have already beat you to it because they're positioned outside the gates when these things arrive. They know when it's coming. They've got a tip from inside or whatever. Right. Um, it, it happens. And if you want to have some fun pranking people, go ahead and just put a bunch of black, like, cladding and stuff on your own car. Just drive around in a strange part of town. See what happens. Yeah. Everything except for the manufacturer's plate. You would uh, you would look authentic. You would look uh, right. you would look legit. Yeah, you yeah. probably will get pulled over at some point. Probably, but what's to stop you from getting a wrap that's kind of uh, you know just a vinyl wrap? There you we know, go. People do that, right? Yeah. You get a vinyl wrap that is uh, is a lot like a manufacturer's wrap. Mm-hmm. People might think you're driving around in a, in a, uh, a vehicle that's not yet released. Mm-hmm. You know that, uh, but you might have a you know five year old Honda, and and no one knows, right? 
<laughs> They've got that impression of you that, you know, you're uh, – yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a silly idea, but maybe it might work. Yeah, yeah. Maybe – maybe you know, you should do it. <laughs> do you like how I'm volunteering you for stuff? Uh, no, thanks. Not for, not for me. Well, when, Too much attention. Well, old friend, when you and I are uh, getting to the point of an episode where we've, we've solidified uh, a harebrained scheme, mm-hmm. it's usually a sign that it's time for us to uh, call it a day yep. and hit the road. Time to hit the old dusty trail. Yet, have no fear. Scott and I will be returning next week with more car stuff. In the meantime, if you would like to find some car stories that have not yet made it to the air on our show for one reason or another, or you'd like to hear your fellow listeners' car stories, check us out on Facebook and Twitter where we are Car Stuff HSW and there's a new addition. Oh, what's that? Uh, we are also now on Instagram. Oh, hooray. <laughs> <laughs> I'll contain myself for Ooh, now. But, you uh, you it, phoned that one in long distance. Well, huh? that's all right. Uh, Instagram. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. Instagram. Uh, we are, I think, we are Car Stuff HSW yes, on that one. Uh, it's pretty new to us, as you can uh, as you can mm-hmm. imagine. Mm-hmm. We don't even know our name. I guess it's Car Stuff HSW. Yeah. We'll, 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 you know what? One of us should check. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Uh, but... As always, social media platforms aside, uh, if you want to let us know what you think of car camouflaging, whether you are on the press's side or whether you're on the manufacturer's side, we'd love to hear from you, and you can always write to us directly. We are carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today.